0: All of my life, I have loved piercing questions. I think it's because I've always known that I'll never be the smartest person at the table. So I've tried to dedicate myself to be the person at the table who is willing to ask the hard question so that the smart people around the table can provide the right answer. And uh, over several decades of, of my ministry, I've, I've been a collector of really good questions. Any article that I read or book that I read, I, I'm always looking for those questions that like, I'm like, wow, that's, that's really piercing. And so I, I've probably got a collection of, I don't know, probably 400 or 500 questions all in some type of order, so that I can easily go to it uh, by subject. Uh, can I just ask you what what is the best question that someone has ever asked you? Now that's that's a question that I should be asking in small groups because I love to be setting down and writing down your answer. And I'm not asking, I'm not thinking of questions like. Do you like porterhouse steak or fried bologna? Even though I'm all about fried bologna or porterhouse, that's not the type of question that I'm asking. I mean a question that just slices through the fog and you can immediately see clearly the answer. That's the type of question that I'm all about. Jesus had a day of piercing questions. It's found in Mark chapter four and five. And it, it seems as if, it seems as if he was, that Mark pulled together these stories to identify the type of faith people had. There's four stories in Mark chapter four and five uh, I've been around people who totally misunderstood what faith was as it related to God. And they they just didn't quite understand what faith was. Because I hear statements like, well, my faith is weak today. Or pray harder and it will build your faith. Or that person is a new believer, so his faith is weak. Now, theologically, that would be human-centric faith, or faith that was built on somebody's own ability. And what I read in the scripture, our faith isn't built on our ability, but whose Yes, it's built on God's character. Thank you. I have great news this morning. Anybody need good news, raise your hand if you're all about good news. What I find in the stories of Jesus is that he answers prayer no matter how strong your faith is. Is there an amen in the house? Aren't you thankful? Because there have been times that my faith, I just didn't know how in the world God was going to do it. It seems as if Mark, when he was writing his gospel, and can I just say Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all had characteristics often it's said that Mark was kind of a photojournalist type writer. He liked just to take little pictures, just little vignettes of Jesus's life, and he put them together so that the readers could kind of get a synopsis of all of these amazing stories. And we find here in Mark chapter 4 and 5 that it almost seems like it was the same day that these four stories happened, but even if they weren't, that's okay. Because it seems as if Mark began to collect these stories and he put them all together. Because in these four stories, each one of them, Christ asked a very specific piercing story. And each story illustrated what type of faith was required. In story number one, It was the story of the calming of the storm. No faith was required, interestingly. In story number two, it was the healing of the demon-possessed man. It was an impersonal or an academic faith that he had. In story number three, it was the healing of the woman who had the issue of blood. There was a desperate faith. Story number four, the raising of Jairus' daughter, it was actually the faith of someone else. Now, this morning, I only have time to deal with story number one and two. I'll be dealing with story number three in my next sermon, and then story number four in another sermon. In honor of reading the Word of God, would you please stand, and I'm going to read The first story, it's in Mark chapter 4, and I'll be reading 35 through 41. My friends, what I'm about to read to you is God's Word. It's inspired. It has authority. And when we read it and we apply it, it will radically change our lives. And I promise you, it will change your family's eternity. Hear the Word of the Lord. That day when evening came... He said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, meaning the other side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, they, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was, it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern Sleeping on a cushion. I like that. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm and he said to his disciples why are you so afraid do you have no faith underline it they were terrified and asked each other who is this even the wind and the waves obey him this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. It was just a normal day for, of teaching for Jesus and the disciples. He had just been teaching recently on the parables of the sower, the growing of the seed, the mustard seed story, and the story of what, whether one might cover a light with a bowl with stories that would be told from generation to generation and are now found in almost all of our Gospels. Several boats full of disciples or followers of Jesus, they got in the Sea of Galilee together. The disciples were together in one boat and they began to make their way across the Sea of Galilee. Evening was now upon them and they found themselves traveling in the dark. Now traveling on a road in the dark is one thing, but traveling on a boat in the dark, when a storm comes, is something totally different. The wind began to stir just a little bit. Gusts of wind begin to punch the sails of that boat. The Sea of Galilee is in a bit of a a bowl with mountains on both sides and wind has the ability to very quickly cause an extreme, extremely dangerous storm on the Sea of Galilee, a furious squall begins to crash upon them. The blowing water begins to blind the disciples as they furiously are trying to bail the water out of the boat that was quickly sinking with the extra water. It was now a life-threatening squall and storm. But Jesus was curled up on his cushion, quietly napping as if he didn't have a single concern in the world. By the way, Darla saw a t-shirt last week that said, Jesus took naps, be like Jesus. That would be good, wouldn't it? Be like Jesus. The disciples were not resting as Jesus Jesus was resting. And they began to cry out to him, don't you care about us? Screaming over the wind. And Jesus rubbed the sleep out of his eyes and sat up. And he said three words. Quiet. Quiet. Be still. In the Greek, it is be muzzled and remain so to the wind. And the wind immediately went quiet. Jesus asked a very significant question to the disciples. He said, Why are you so afraid? Basically, what is behind your fear? Have you forgotten who I am? Have you forgotten what I have done? This wasn't the first miracle they had seen. He meant, what causes you to fear mere circumstances when you have the Son of God in your own boat? Can I just ask what if Jesus asked you the very same question? Can I ask what Jesus is asking you right now? What is behind the fear that you're dealing with right now? Maybe it's the past failures that the evil one keeps reminding you. Maybe it's, the addictions that you're fighting right now. Maybe it's the baggage that you are still carrying. Is it the sin that God has already forgiven, but you have not forgiven yourself? Have you forgotten who Christ is? Have you forgotten what he's done in your past, just like the disciples had forgotten? So in this story, what type of faith was involved there is no faith. The disciples had absolutely no faith that this storm could be resolved by the word of their Christ. Hadn't even thought about it. Verse 40, do you still have no faith? He said, and what did Christ mean? what did Christ do with no faith? He calmed the sea not a single disciple had even thought about well what if what if Jesus could heal this storm like he had healed so many other others before you mean Christ can heal and provide and protect and direct even though i don't have any faith Absolutely. There are some of us who are absolutely paralyzed with fear this morning. My guess is. You have been asked to take a step of faith, but you're frozen in fear. You're in a scary situation and you're trembling with no resources. God has asked you to make a sacrifice that is absolutely unimaginable and you have no faith that it could happen. Can I give you good news this morning? There are times that we have absolutely no faith, haven't even thought about it, yet Jesus answers our need anyway. Is that good news? When faith becomes human-centric, it always fails. When faith is always God-centric, it's all God's business. It's his strength, his ability. That's really good news. Well, there's another story. It's the healing of the demon-possessed man. It's found in Mark chapter 5, 1 through 13. I won't ask you to stand this time, but hear the word of the Lord. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself on the stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell down on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus said, had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep banks into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. The people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people that what had happened to the demon possessed man and told him about the told about the pigs as well then the people began to plead with jesus to leave their region immediately after they got out of the boat the disciples and jesus came upon this demon possessed man and only one only One could only imagine his condition. He stood naked with cuts and bruises all over his body. He was unwashed, probably smelled as if he had been living in the tombs of the dead. And actually, that's exactly where he lived. He slept with dead people. Wild with anger and pain, emotionally Emotional anxiety, spiritual oppression, there was loneliness. He ran screaming throughout the tombs at night, cutting himself on the stones, and he was not just possessed with a demon, but many, 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 many demons. He ran as soon as he saw Jesus, and he fell down and worshipped, "What do you want with me, Jesus, Son?" of the most high God. I swear to God, please swear to God that you won't torture me. And Jesus looked at him and asked a very piercing question. What is your name? Now don't overlook the seriousness Of this question, he was not asking if his name was Frank or Bill or Bob. That's not what he was asking. He was asking something much more serious. The answer to this question would cut through the fog and pierce the truth in his heart. The question was really Who controls you? What is your name? The man knew exactly what Jesus was asking. He answered truthfully. He said, "My name is Legions." Now, a legion, a Roman legion was the largest unit of the Roman army, and it had at its full strength had 6 Thousand soldiers in it. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that he had 6,000 demons. It just means that he had many, 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 many demons that possessed him. So what really was the question? The question was, who controls you? What makes you do what you do? Name it identify it, tell Jesus about it, what controls you. You see, Satan knows that if he can keep your sin hidden, then the battle is mostly won. Jesus says, name it. Clearly tell me who controls you. What happened when that which controlled him was identified? Jesus, with complete control, removed the demons from the man and sent them into a herd of pigs, which then jumped over the cliff. So what type of faith here was involved? It was an inexperienced faith, or a faith that there was no experience in. Actually, it was what we often call an academic faith. The man knew what God was capable of, but had never experienced it personally himself. He knew of God. Notice that he identified Jesus as the son of the living God. He knew immediately that that was the son of God, but he had not personally experienced the life-saving forgiveness and redemption that the Son of God could provide. The man knew what Christ was capable of. He had heard of his power. He was in awe of his command of all things, but never had he personally experienced the power of God to heal and to forgive. I believe that there is a stage that most of us go through where we know academically what God has the ability to do. But we have never yet to take the step of faith to allow him to take over our lives so that we finally experience it ourselves. And I believe that there are some of us here today who have watched from afar, but have not yet personally experienced the life-changing work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've watched it happen. You've seen it in your grandparents. You've seen it in those that you go to Bible studies with but you have not yet experienced yourself. You've read it in the Bible. You've read it in textbooks. There is an academic knowledge of this God himself, but you've not experienced it yourself. And I believe that there are some of us who have watched that faith in our mothers or fathers. You know that he is the Christ, but you've not yet allowed him to become the savior of your life. I believe that just like the broken man in the cemetery, there are some of us here today who feel the great conviction of sin. You know that Christ can forgive, but you have not yet experienced the peace of finally allowing Jesus to be the savior of your life. It was an inexperienced faith, an impersonal faith, an academic faith that actually saved this man. An inexperienced faith saved a demon-possessed man. An inexperienced faith healed a broken man. An inexperienced faith made free a man that was enslaved by brokenness. Can I ask you what type of faith you have? This morning, if I, if you tell me, Pastor, I have faith. I have no faith. I got nothing. Pastor, academically, I know that he is the Son of God. If that is all you have, then congratulations. You are exactly where the Son of God wants you because even in those places, he can forgive and heal and, re- and remove the winds from storms and he can make you new. Could I ask you to stand this morning? Can I take us back to the conclusion of the story of, of, of both of these stories? How did Jesus respond when his own disciples had no faith. The scripture says he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. How did Jesus respond with the possessed man who had an inexperienced or an academic faith. The scripture says as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been, this was the end of the story that I haven't read yet. As Jesus was getting back into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with Jesus. And Jesus did not let him in, but said, go home, To your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. How did that happen? He not only forgave. Jesus not only forgave, but he healed and set him free. But then he also invited him to become a missionary, an evangelist, to tell the story of Jesus. And this all started because a man just had an inexperienced knowledge of the faith required. He had an academic, he had a, could we call it, book learning understanding of this faith that was required. And even then, Jesus accepted that gift and radically changed his life. Can I tell you that the kingdom does not require people who have perfect faith? Everybody should be amen at this point. The kingdom does not require people who have perfect faith. It doesn't require people who have strong faith only or experienced faith or learned faith. Actually, God wants to give you gifts of compassion by giving you what you can't do. What you don't know to do what you aren't strong enough by yourself to do. He wants to gift them to you even then. So can I invite you this morning to bring whatever type of faith that you have to Jesus and be honest by saying, Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing. I got nothing. Jesus, I'm young in my faith, and I don't know the right answers. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know how to ask you for what I need. Jesus, what is ahead of me is way too big for me. I don't have enough faith. Whatever it is, I promise you Jesus will respond with compassion. As we sing this song, if you have just sensed the Holy Spirit nudging you to make things right or to step out in faith or accept the challenge that you know you don't, you're do not you not strong enough to do or to invite Him in as your personal Savior, this would be a great day for your family together around you. I'd invite you to come down to the altar, but if you'd like to just Be seated where you are. We'd love to pray with you. Please come.
1: Standing on this mountain top Looking just how far we've come Knowing that for every step You were with us, kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory was your power in us. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes, our hearts can Standing on this mountain top, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us, healing on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, no.
0: Heavenly Father, we are so very thankful for the gift that you've provided us in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you loved us so much that you invited your son to be born just like us and to live with us and to do life with us. And we watched him. We learned from him. He did miracles in our presence. He taught us. Then he took our sins upon himself after living a perfect life. And he paid for our transgressions, past, present, and future. The scripture says he went to heaven to prepare a place for us. Yet he sent his Holy Spirit to live with us, to empower us, to infill us. And to become our conscience, he constantly is drawing us into a relationship with you. And we're very thankful for that gift. Father, we ask that your blessings would rest upon every single one of us here this morning. Because none of us deserve the gift that you provided in Christ himself. And Father, whether we're living right now with no faith, or an academic faith, or a desperate faith, or someone else's faith, we give ourselves to you for you to take us and mold us. We invite you in for you to radically change our lives and forgive us to become our Savior. We ask these things in your precious name, Jesus, who is the Messiah, Would you receive this benediction? I pray that you, after you've experienced the miraculous touch of the hand of the master, even when your faith was non-existent or perhaps inexperienced, that you will respond as the man in the cemetery did. He went away, and began to tell the community how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. So now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, go in peace he's already gone before you. You're dismissed my friend.